Listener Production. Hello and welcome to Willow Talk, another edition mid-World Cup, off and running right now. Adam Peacock alongside Brad Haddon. Hads, how are things? Very good. The, the heavyweights are starting to flex their muscle mm. in the, the World Cup. England overnight had an, an outstanding dominant win uh, after their first game. Their, their batters got it right. And their bowling attack, who's been under pressure by a lot of people, came good. So, But it's all about South Africa and Australia. Thought you were talking about me there, heavyweight trying to flex his muscles, <laughs> as opposed to you, Mr. Jim Freak. <laughs> hey? What did you do yesterday? I, I did a little circuit. I, I'm just trying to get back into it. Um, but the, I, I'm sitting here at the moment. A 56-minute circuit. Yeah. That's not a circuit. No. That's an ultra marathon. It wasn't fun. No. No, it wasn't. But it's uh, you've still got a little bit of that weirdness when, when you played that – and ex-athletes will understand this. You won't understand it. You, no. you like that feeling to hurt and feel sick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it gets the endorphins going, doesn't it? Oh, it got Allegedly. something going. But, it, yeah, I, I'm glad I'm – I'm back into it anyway. Before we get into it, we've got a great show lined up. Like, gym and cricket, they're, they're kind of strange bedfellows, aren't they? Like, ultra fitness and cricket. There's always, there's just this little haze over cricket still that you don't have to be the ultimate athlete, even though a lot of people are. Well, it's a skill-based game. Yeah. Um, but once you retire, you, the one thing you want to do, you want to be able to fit into your chinos. And, and every now and then when you have a long lunch and you put your chinos on, yeah. And you think, uh-oh. The old muffin top. Yeah, yeah. I, I better start running. <laughs> <laughs> and what producer Sam knows a lot about it. He's, since he's got into this role, he does more long lunches than anyone. A lot to be said for a T-shirt that's two sizes too big. <laughs> a lot to be said. So this episode we've got of Willow Tour. We're going to preview Australia's next World Cup match against South Africa. Not the be-all and end-all, but it's heightened uh, level of being crucial after what happened against India. Uh, a look at some of the big talking points around the world included, including, and it's got to be ratified later this week, Cricket Olympics LA looks to be lining up. Breakdancing out, cricket in. Yeah, well, Willow Talk's already booked its flight, um, <laughs> so we'll be there to, to cover every ball. How exciting is that? You, yeah, it's good. You only have to, during the pandemic, when, when the Olympics was on, it gave you something to do for one, but you, you get caught up in the moment. And, and big events, we've seen the Matildas recently in a World Cup, so I, I'd imagine with all the players, it, it would be very sought after to be able to say, yes, I've won a World Cup, I've won a um, an Ashes campaign and, and have right next to it a, a gold medal mm. it is pretty um, pretty special. Last time it was in the Commonwealth Games, Australia got silver. I think South Africa won it, which is amazing in itself. It might, <laughs> might just be ICC events. They might be good for uh, Olympics. But 1998, be, yeah. Kuala Lumpur, but they weren't real wickets, were they? No. They, they were all, playing on the plastic rubber yeah. mats. Yep. So, um, so South Africa still haven't won on turf. <laughs> what, what was interesting, I, I'm talking to Mark War about it, and you're there with all the best athletes in the world, so your dietary, your hydration, and <laughs> the Aussie boys are having dinner and, and as cricketers uh, do, in, enjoy a beer, and the other athletes are going, oh, how good has it been a cricketer? <laughs> it was the cricketer and the lawn bowlers <laughs> yeah. all along. And later on, we're going to catch up with a remarkable end to a game Earlier in the week, a Marsh Cup game between New South Wales and Queensland and uh, New South Wales finding new ways to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Gorinda Sandu is going to join us later on. Of course, grew up in New South Wales, played for New South Wales first up. He's been around the place, but he was there for Queensland at the end. A remarkable 10th wicket partnership, Brad Haddon. The Blues have got the Blues big style. Yeah, it is a remarkable partnership, and they're they're, they're rebuilding. They're, they've got to find something that this New South Wales team, and it takes a bit to 
to, to get out of that. They've got in a habit at the moment of, of losing. Um, they, they've got a lot of class in, in the squad. So maybe this is is a moment they, they sit down and all of a sudden it, it starts to click and move forward. There, there's still there's a few good signs. I mean, their young Edwards is starting to produce some mm. numbers um, with the both bat and the ball. But, yeah, it was a it'll be interesting to see talking to Gurinda when he thought they could win. They, they put on 70 for the last w- wicket. They broke a record. Well, the way New South Wales are going, he probably thought they could win when he was walking out to bat at the moment, uh, New South Wales. Anyway, um, and don't forget, we're going to recap every Aussie game of the World Cup, the men's 50-over World Cup going on now in India. And we'll be back tomorrow morning, bright and early, to review Australia, South Africa. So, uh, yeah, you've got the, the longer versions twice a week still here of Willow Talk, but the quick fire looks at uh, the game just after they've happened during the World Cup, during the Australian Games, after the Australian Games. So uh, you're not going to miss a thing here on Willow Talk. We're going to rip into it straight away with a bit of a preview. So if you're listening to this after it, take into consideration uh, what has happened, but it's still relevant in a wider sense about where Australia's 50-over World Cup campaign is going. So Marcus Stoinis back and fit for selection, available for selection. Straight swap with Cam Green. Is that the word? I think he has to. I think Marcus Stoinis will bring a bit of energy, actually, to the later order. He's closed out the game a lot in Indian conditions in the IPL. His bowling's very handy. He gives you a bit of a different option, too, Stoinis. He moves the ball around. He can swing it up front. But he bowls a lot of tough overs in the IPL. So he bowls a lot of change-ups. He can he can play with your field with your third man up and your fine leg and, and set the fields in front. So I think he comes straight back in. He's been under a hamstring strain since the South African series. So he'd be, he'd be keen to go. And to me, Cameron Green, he's not doing much right. He just looks tight. Yeah. And for a young kid, he's played, he has had the Indian Test Series at the IPL. He's played a lot of cricket. And to me, he just looks mentally fatigued. He's doing all the right things and he's presenting at training, but he just looks one step behind the pace at the moment. Well, he hasn't been home since the start of the IPL. So he's gone there, World Test Championship, Ashes Tour, White Ball Tour, South Africa, here. He mistaken me if I'm wrong, he might have dipped home for a real quick stint, but that's a long time for a young guy. And yeah, he's just at the start of his career. So yeah, the, the word is out of India that he's he's a little bit, you know, frazzled, which is fair enough. Did, did you ever feel that? Like, because it, it goes in blocks, doesn't it? You look at the schedule and you might see this big blob a year, uh, 18 months away. You go, wow, I'm going to be away for four months. There's a lot to organize, there's a lot to get my head around. Because as much as it seems like, wow, how good's that? You've made the top in cricket and that's your lifestyle. You do miss home comfort sometimes. Never in an ICC event. Mm. Uh, I never felt like that going into a World Cup or, or an Ashes campaign, um, an Indian tour. There are times where you, you feel um, mentally fatigued. And what happens is you, you're doing everything right at training, but everything just becomes that little bit harder. Mm. And that, to me, that's what it looks like Cameron Green at the moment. I hope it's not, actually, to, to be perfectly honest, because he, if he is feeling like that at the moment, and you said there was a little bit of talk about it, then the high-performance staff has got this dr- dramatically wrong because th- these are the events – you're making sure your athletes are peaking for, for, for a World Cup, for, mm. for an Ashes campaign. So you, you wouldn't want anyone to be struggling physically or or, or mentally fatigued leading into the, the marquee events. You'd have to be sick of a buffet. <laughs> and, and I know that sounds ridiculous. I've never been sick of a buffet. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's a joke there. You've left yourself so open. <laughs> I know I've left myself open. But 
like seriously, you walk down, here we go again. There's the baked beans, there's the mushrooms, there's the bacon. I, I mean, it's a little more high performance yeah. than that. They've, they've got a lot more proteins and better food than that. But seriously, you you just want a, a homemade bacon egg sandwich sometimes. Yeah, you do, but it's also the excitement of a World Cup. So I, I'm hoping that they haven't got their preparation wrong with him. And, and I know that it, it's hard to get a balancing act in, in the modern game. He, he, was, he was offered... 3 million US to, to go to IPL and, and that's mm. hard to turn down but uh, we've seen Mitchell Stark do it in the past we, we've seen Cummins we've seen Hayes, Hazelwood do it to prioritise these events and, and maybe he, he might have got this wrong I hope they haven't because th- these are the events that you, you've got to be peaking at just the right time for Flip side who was the player that you play with that loved touring more than anyone just loved being on the road and it's just a ball of energy and like everything was great and you know, rainbows and unicorns and all those things. Everyone with a newborn baby. <laughs> <laughs> Bradley, can you say that? These no, days? you can't say that. It was, you know, when your first child arrives, goes, how good this? Then your yeah. reality hits and you think, oh, when am I going to get on tour again? <laughs> it's a lot easier to be on the road. So it does. You go through ups and downs on on tours. But mm. the, the one thing, we're, and we've spoken about a little bit already, is you, you want to be fresh for these events. These are the ones where you make your reputation. These are the big events where Australia pride themselves on their tournament play and the way we play World Cups. But it can be taxing. He's been in India a long time now. So, yeah, let's hope that that's not the case. On a similar vein, and it might be, I mean, we're guessing here with Alex Carey and Tim Payne has the opinion that Alex hasn't been the same since the Bearstow incident. Alex has been home after the Ashes and... He was um, back in Australia for for a little spell, but do you notice that he hasn't been the same since the Bearstow incident, or is it just a little dip? Because you you were saying during the India series, his keeping was at a career best level. What have you noticed about Alex? Is he out of form? Is it something else? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't disagree with Payne actually. He has been a, a bit different since the that Johnny Bairstow. And, and Alex is a, a sort of a character that likes to go under the radar. Hmm. Uh, he goes about his, his work behind the stumps. He, he was outstanding in India on really tough conditions. Um, he, his keeping was as good as anyone who's toured there. He, he was faultless. He took a, a lot of half chances off Nathan Lyon that he, he made look really easy. But he was under a lot of pressure in the UK, especially after the Johnny Bairstow incidents where he, he was a number one enemy. And some personalities can handle it. We, we've seen Stuart Broad in Australia. We put him on the front page. We don't like Stuart Broad. And he loved every minute of it. The, yeah. the crowd warmed to him by the end of it. And, and maybe it has ta- put, taken a little bit of mental fatigue on on Alex mm. Carey that, that he was the enemy. I just had a look at his batting. And they're batting him a lot at five and six. To, to me... That that's one couple of positions too high. I actually like Alex. He's a he's got a simple game plan. He doesn't like to overcomplicate things. I'd like to see him at number seven. Mm-hmm. Leave him at number seven. Let him understand that role there. He knows how to play. He knows how to play. He knows how to get off strike. He knows he comes in, in in the last 10 overs where he gets himself in with the field out. And then he, he can be quite expansive in his game. He can play his reverse sweep shots. He he hits well down the ground. He can clear the boundary. I, I would take a bit of responsibility off him from batting in the middle order and give him a really clear role at number seven. And, yeah. and I think that'll free him up a bit. I mean, say for this game, if Green stays in or Stoyness, so you'd swap, you'd have one of those two guys at six and have Carey at seven. Does that, though, take away the 
ultimate firepower, especially with someone like Stoinis batting at seven, if he happens to be joining the tail, trying to get 30, 40 runs off the last five. Well, Alex can do that. And if Australia's batting is going to plan, hmm. Marcus Stoinis has been around that time anyway. But the interesting thing, if you're batting at five as a wicketkeeper, and we've seen extreme heat in, in those conditions. I know Adam... Gilchrist did it up the top of the audience, a really clear roll just to hit every ball for six, and he did. <laughs> um, but uh, over there, to, to me, if, yes, Alex does his job, offers a lot of energy, and with the gloves, creates a real presence for Australia in the field, and, and, and he's done that in the past. And, and then he has time to put his feet up a little bit, uh, have something to eat, cool himself down, and then about halfway through, start to watch the game and get ready for his role. Yeah. Okay, do I have to save the innings? Are we five for 120? Do I have to get through and, and get us to 240? Or hang on a minute, we're, we're five for 300. I've just got to go to run a ball from the start. And, and I think that there would simplify a lot of his thinking. And, and that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see him back at seven, keep the energy up with the, the keeping, create a real presence there because that can be a point of difference in this tournament and go back to number seven with the bat. Just quickly with Glenn Maxwell and his role with the ball. Are you viewing him as an absolute all-rounder? Okay, we know him for his explosiveness with the, the bat, but in these conditions, is he his value split 50-50 yep. with what he can do with the ball? So yep. the five specialist bowlers isn't so much five, it's six with Maxwell. Well, it is six with Maxwell, and with the all-rounding options, you, you don't always have to bowl Glenn Maxwell 10 overs. Mm. Uh, you can you can bowl him six one game. Oh, hang on a minute. The conditions suitable. Yes, we will bowl him ten. He's very versatile with the ball as well. We've seen on a lot of occasions Aaron Finch actually use him in the power play. Uh, he comes around the wickets. He hit the, he hits the heels and he can bowl to a field really well. So he's a big player. He's yes, we know he's exposed with the bat. He's the best fielder in the country. But his bowling is better than part time. In two thousand fifteen, he he was a spinner we took through the World Cup. Hmm. We had six bowling options and. and and Australia have that now. They have six or seven bowling options in that team. So he doesn't have to bowl his 10 overs all the time, but he can bowl under pressure. He's bowled a lot in India and, and he's done well. So, yeah, I, I see him as a genuine all-rounder. The pitch in Lucknow, which hasn't hosted a match oh, no. so far at the World Cup, a couple of the venues have already had two, but Lucknow, we've, we've been waiting. Maybe the uh, ICC have been giving it a, a little more time to, to bet in because this pitch has had a bit of controversy over the last uh, 10 months. So it was a disaster in a T20 international between India and New Zealand back in January. Hardik Pandya came out and said, this pitch is rubbish. And it's unusual for an Indian yep. player to come out and just absolutely bag the living crap out of a local wicket, but that's what he did. And then the, the poor old curator was relieved of his duties, shall we say, straight after that match or maybe mid-match when they saw what was going on. And then the IPL happened. They got the new curator in. But then after the IPL had, they, they dug it up. So have we got any idea what this deck is going to do? Is it going to be quick? Is it going to turn sideways? What? Well, I can give you an inside information on this. We, we played um, Lacknow there. Hmm. And I have no idea what's going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the inside but information. We, it was one of those venues where we turned up and, and we, you got there early and they hadn't had the stumps out and you're thinking, where, where are they going to put it? And Or oh, they didn't know which one was the well, pitch. The, the, the whole square just looked patchy. They, they had some beautiful grass on on, <laughs> on pieces. There, there were some bare patches. And the other thing is there's red soil 
and, and there's a dark soil. Oh, so yeah. there's two different types of soil. What across the square? Well, you're you might have say ten wickets, and yeah. four of them might be red, and the other six might be the dark soil. So is that like having a grass court and a clay court next to each it's, other? It's like much? yeah, it's like having a spinning wicket when Australia <laughs> play, yeah. or a, a flat wicket for for the other countries. But these are all mixed into one. And, and I remember the captain coming to us and said, "Oh." What, what do you think we should do? Mm. And, and as good coaches, we said, mate, go with your gut. <laughs> what does that mean? We had no I'll idea. Have, I'll hold the cop yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We had no idea what was going to going to happen. So they, they've dug it up since. I, I'd imagine it'll turn. Yeah. Um, I, I imagine it'll offer a, a bit of turn. But, yeah, we, we, we don't really know the surface. It'll have two different clays. It'll be it, – you'll see when the – when the toss goes, whether it's it's the the red clay, if it is a red clay, that the wicket will take a lot of turn, and if it's a darker clay, it'll be it'll be a bit flatter and and not yeah. take as much turn. How do we stop the the big issue for the Australian bowlers? Um, with the bat is one thing, but the bowlers, and we saw it in the the last three games of that ODI series yeah. over in South Africa, is how do we stop their power hitters? Because through the middle order, South Africa can go at. 12 and over in the blink of an eye, if not 20. They've got some unbelievable power in their midst. How do you combat that? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, oh, I think there's a couple of ways Australia uh, can combat it. Is one, does South Africa believe they can beat us? Mm. Do, do they come into this game? All the form leads towards them. Uh, their, their power hitting has been outstanding. They've got 300s last last game and, and everything looks towards that South Africa dominate. One, do they believe they can beat us? Do they mm. come into this game and they're not as free? They're not as free against us and they it just tense up a little bit and that gives us the opening. But I've had a bit of a look at their batting and, and yes, they are as, as aggressive as anyone. Oh, geez, that's a fine. Um, oh, that's anyone. a massive fine. What does that produce, Sam? A hundred bucks? <laughs> that was actually Stuart Clark, the New South Wales selector. He just uh, <laughs> he's asking you if you want a game on the weekend. <laughs> but going back to the the other thing, I ha- had a look through their power yeah. is they are offering chances, uh, and we've yeah. seen in the first game uh, if Australia take that first chance, all of a sudden they're four for twenty and they're playing behind the game. So if we can get South Africa to play behind the game and get a couple of wickets early. I just got a feeling that they'll start to second guess their style against us. Okay. Um, so, th- so that's a big one. If we can take our chances and put a bit of pressure on them with that new ball, I, I think we can uh, create some damage here. Speaking of second guessing themselves, I mean, they're probably third and fourth guessing themselves now. We're going to have a look around the rest of the World Cup and some domestic cricket as well now on uh, Willow Talk Sri Lanka. So they went in with, uh, they weren't, you didn't put them in with the preview with Mike Hussey in the top band, but, you know, the middle one who can maybe knock off a couple a couple of the, the favourites on their way. They're 0-2. I mean, it's not the bat that's a problem. They've got over 300 in their two losses so far, but they uh, they caught one in the chin from Pakistan who chased down 345 with 10 balls to spare. It's the highest successful run chase in men's World Cup history. Sri Lanka, gone now, 0-2. Yeah, I actually had Sri Lanka right up the top um, at the start of the tournament, but that was off the back of ha- having a really sound um, batting lineup that understands these conditions well. They had a bit of pace in their fast bowling, but it was Thikshana and Hasaranga who, who mm. I thought were going to do some damage in, in these conditions. And as we've seen, Hasaranga's out, Thikshana's just come back in. And to a nation like Sri Lanka, if they lose one or two players, it's hard to cover mm. like because they, a lot of pressure goes on Hasaranga to own those middle overs and they make plays around them better. So when they're out of the tournament, all of a sudden, everyone loses a little bit of confidence. The bigger nations can cover that. 
Yep. Like in India, for example, they, they can chop and change their team and it doesn't affect everyone else. And it just looks to me that what what's happened is they lost a couple of their players and, and it's affected the whole squad's confidence. Now they're starting to doubt themselves a, a little bit with the ball. And, and I think that's what you're seeing with Sri Lanka. Yeah. Brilliant win though for Pakistan and they've got the, the prospect and it's hard enough for them at the moment. Not hard enough, but it's interesting enough for them at the moment playing a World Cup in India. But uh, this it's going to be one of the biggest sporting events of the year. And that's saying something given what we've already been through when India played Pakistan through these pool stages. So we'll wait and see with that. But they're going okay, Pakistan, uh, with that big win over Sri Lanka. England bounced back, a big win over Bangladesh. Milan, 140. He's in elite form. They're all in love with him up the top. Didn't have Stokes again, but England did what they needed to do in that one. Yeah, the, the thing with England, you... you they no matter whether they win or lose, they trust their game style. They, they might have a few bad games, but you don't see them panicking. They they trust that they're going to take the game on the the whole time. Their their batters are very very aggressive, and and it's not like they build their innings. They they, mm-hmm. they go from ball one and bat their batters right through. So it, you just seen a, a team that's got a lot of confidence in house. They've had a lot of success now at ICC events with the. 2020 World Cup and obviously the the last 50 over World Cup. So to me, it was just an England team that that trusts everything they've done. They're not going to change their game plan because they they had one bad day out. And and yeah, you got Darwin Milan. Mate, he's been outstanding at the top of the order. He, he's mm. got 600s in 23 innings. So well, he he pushed Jason Roy out of the team and and also Josh Butler down to number five because the the form he's been in in the one-day team. So, yeah, that, they're a class act. And, and the best thing about it, they they won't second-guess their style. And uh, early in the week as well, New Zealand uh, backed up their first up win over England with a, a comfortable victory over the Netherlands. But I'm telling you, the Dutch are going to knock off. No way. They're going to knock off one or two. Who? I think I said to you early in the week, Sri Lanka, that they'll beat. That, that'll that be the one, I reckon, that they'll, they'll get. And they'll knock off one of Afghanistan or Bangladesh. Yeah, oh, well, the thing about the, the Dutch is, is they're improving. They, they've got a lot of first-class cricketers now in, in, in the team playing in England. So these tournaments are a great way to to build an education around the game, and, mm. and that's exactly what they're doing. They, they got into the tournament. They, they had to beat the West Indies and, and Sri Lanka, Zimbabwe to, to make this event. So their cricket's building, um, and, and these tournaments are – a great not only for the players to see the standard they need to be at, but it's a good opportunity for the coaching staff to say, okay, we're we're not far away maybe with with batting, but we need to have a look at our, our fast bowling depth and and our spin bowling, maybe our athleticism with our our fielding um, needs to change a bit to be competitive with the the bigger nations. But they're, they're tracking along okay. I like this format if you're going to have a ten team World Cup as opposed to playing a couple of group. This is the only format you can do. You just like to see with the advent of having the Netherlands there. Obviously, there's, that means no West Indies at this one and, and a couple of other nations that maybe could sneak in. Maybe 12 is the number going forward. I actually like the the selection process to get in. West Indies had an opportunity to. Yeah. But that, they got knocked off by Sri Lanka and, and the Netherlands to get in. So they, they've got to fix their cricket. We, we can't just keep giving nations like the West Indies who, who haven't really showed much appetite for, for test cricket or, or even 50-over cricket. Of, so you're happy with late, 10? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with 12. 10. And, and I yeah. think playing nine's a, a pretty fair indication. If you play nine matches, yeah, um, you find out what who are the four best teams and you want to see everyone play each other once. Mm. Um, I can't wait to – you look at all the Australian games, and but I can't wait to Saturday night when, when India take on, on Pakistan. This is not – 
going to just be a cricket game. This is going to be an event worldwide. So cricket, speaking of worldwide, it's going to be in the Olympics, it looks like, for the first time since 1900. And they all rocked up and got their kit bags out off their penny farthings and enjoyed themselves. And that was apparently one match between Great Britain and France and a total farce, apparently, <laughs> which it would be right now if you played England v France in cricket. But it's been recommended by the LA Games Organising Committee yep. and then it gets ratified by the IOC. Do you know where the IOC meeting is? Where's that? It's in India this week. <laughs> so there's half a chance that uh, the, the, the ICC have kind of got a few of the IOC yep. crew along to a couple of games. It, look, it's a no-brainer from the IOC because you, you look at, say, football, they're desperate for a nation like China or India yep. to get really good because, bang, you've got a billion people all of a sudden more interested yep. than they ordinarily are. But, yeah, this will help the Olympic movement no end by having India, firstly, their cricketers, men's and women's, in an Olympic game. So it's uh, one of the five sports to be included along with baseball, softball back in, flag, football, lacrosse and squash, which means breakdancing, <laughs> which was included for Paris, is not going to make it. Well, we'll start anyway. training for squash. It's interesting because you want it to kick off in in the States. One, it's a great tour. Mm. Um, and we've seen recently that the league's um, starting to open up. We've seen baseball grounds turn into cricket grounds. So the appetite, obviously, in the, the US for cricket with so many expats there is, is huge. You've got the 2020 World Cup. You've got half in the West Indies and, and half in the States. So it's starting to gather momentum. And imagine being able to put, an Olympic gold medal next next to a, a World Cup. Mm. And mate, that's one thing players would have on Ricky Ponning and, and Mark Wall and Glenn McGrath. You, you don't normally get one up on them, but imagine being able to have a, a gold medal around your neck. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that'll be ratified later in the week unless something dramatic happens. Cricket is in for 2028. Jai Richardson is back. Caught up with him uh, when we had that big day out at the SCG with all the cricketers and coming in. He was a really interesting guy, fascinating yeah. Deep thinker, as you know, you've yep. you've coached him and and dealt with him. He's he's into his gaming and he's got his own team um, in gaming yep. that he funds and helps funds. But he's a cricketer at heart. Yep. And the good thing is, after doing a fair old job in his hamstring, it's all back. And he took a couple of wickets in WA, who won a match for a change against Victoria in the Marsh Cup. Didn't play the the Shield, but uh, WA now three for three in Marsh Cup, one for one in Sheffield Shield. Amazing, but good to see Jai back. Well, I just hope this kid gets some luck. Mm. Um, before the 2019 World Cup, he dislocated his shoulder in the in Sharjah, actually diving in the, in the field. His, his athleticism in the field was a, a bit different to the other fast bowlers. But we, we need to see Jai Richardson playing for Australia. Um, the Australian public needs to see it. He's highly skillful. Uh, he, he's got a great wrist. He's able to swing the ball both ways. He'd be unbelievable in, in England English conditions. So... We just need to see him playing. He, mm. We've seen a little bit last year in the Big Bash before he did his Hemi. He, he came back after an extended break. He, he swung the ball about 145 You rate this guy highly. As like you, you've got the big three. Yeah. And I remember we did one a couple of weeks ago. You said he's he's number four if he's fit. Well, if all the fast bowls are fit at the same time, yes, you've got your big three playing at the moment. I, I think this guy's number four. Mm. Um, but we've just got to find a way to – to keep him on the park. You know, in WA, he's, he's pretty lucky at the moment that they can manage his load and, and make sure he's he's playing at the right time. But there's going to come a time where we, we, we want to see him. We, we want to see him in the Australian team. Here's one for you. Say all the, the Australian cricketers are available. If WA put their second 11 in the Sheffield Shield and Marsh Cup, where would they finish? 
second in New South Wales. If you just said if everyone's available, bull. Oh, okay. I was almost going to say bullshit, but if so you, we you had we, everyone available, yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. So we would win both then, well, New South Wales. Well, WA's first eleven wouldn't win. No way. What? Mate, you got Stark, Camo, yeah. Hazelwood, true. Smith, yeah. Line, Warner, Abbott. Okay. Um, we would have to Zampa. Yeah. Tanvi Sanger. Do I stop here or do I keep going? No, no. Good point. Good point. <laughs> the problem is, though. Stop bashing New South Wales, please. <laughs> okay. I reckon they'd finish third then if you had everyone available. The, the second 11 for WA. They've got so much depth. Say so the, the big guns aren't available. And if you put – I reckon WA's second 11 would give a lot of the – We can't the argue with stuff. that. They're, they're winning everything at the moment. They're producing mm. Australian cricketers. Yeah, you can't argue. Mm. Unfortunately, I couldn't. Yeah, you got me there. Hoarded <laughs> the bag, New South Wales again. Even though I'm born and bred in New South Wales, it's just that you're more passionate than just about anyone about it. And I'm enjoying the fact that they're struggling. No, I'm not enjoying the fact that I'm struggling. I'm just enjoying winding you Put up. Put the mute Bradley. on, Sam. Bradley. You grew up in, didn't you grow up in Canberra, though? Queanbeyan. Queen, oh, righto. Yeah, across the border. Fair enough. Queanbeyan, Fishwick, Canberra. <laughs> <laughs> Well-travelled route. Yes. Jarvo 69 banned from the World Cup as well. Daniel Jarvis, this clown, has been banned from all World Cup games, but that won't matter because Indian police have cancelled his visa and he's been deported back to London. I have a theory, Hads, that this guy should be deported from Earth for a while. I don't like that they're deporting him. Just keep him there. I wanted him to oh, right. go yes, out yes. in the South African-Australia game. They're <laughs> yes. the biggest boys. Like, I, I want him to see him try to sidestep Marcus Stoinis or Rabada just as he's got the shits. He's been hit for 20 off and over and runs past him at fine leg. Someone's got to drop the shoulder into him. But, yeah, it's it's disappointing. that In the modern game, with all the security, mm-hmm. it, it's tough to see that someone can get so close to the players on the wicket. Yeah. That, that makes me nervous. This- we, we've seen it... Uh, Obviously, the Lord's Test when Johnny Bairstow sort of carried the mm. the protester off. But, yeah, I, I wish he had one more game and, and Stoinis or Mitch Marsh or Rabada um, just decked him. Mitch Marsh would be the one, wouldn't it? He from Australia? Or yeah. Davey. I reckon yeah. Davey would like that. I reckon Davey would hit him with an elbow. He'd get six weeks, but le- <laughs> at least it might uh, – <laughs> Marsh might just shoulder bump him, but Dave, he, he would finish it for good. Hey, we've got a special guest around the corner, Gorinda Sandu. Welcome back to Willow Talk and Hads early in the show, of course. Um, just to stir you up again, I'm going to mention New South Wales uh, – Ability to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. And it happened again earlier this week at North Sydney Oval. And a man who was front and centre for, well, all of it, especially this 10th wicket stand of 73 with Kane Richardson, is Gorinda Sandu, who joins us right now on Willow Talk. Gorinda, well done, mate. Um, outstanding effort. Uh, how do you feel about it all, about uh, doing that to your former state? Oh, it was awesome. It was, um, yeah, unreal. As you mentioned, on the back of that Shield game, we were able to um, dig in and, and hold on for a draw. I mean, it was pretty unlikely at the start of probably day three or halfway through day three. Um, that was amazing. And then to go on and do that in the one day, um, kind of topped our week off. Um, yeah, it was, it was great. It was unreal. One of the better wins I've been involved in. Mm-hmm. Gee, when, when did you start to believe? I, I know when number nine, uh, 10 and 11 come together, you sort of go, oh, yeah, let's just work it around. Did it get to that 20 runs and you thought, uh-oh, now we have to win it? Well, yeah. So, Richo literally came out there. It was one ball to go in the, the continuing over, the ongoing over. So, he said, let's just, just we'll talk after this ball. Let me get through this first if I can. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, get through this, hopefully, and then we'll have a chat. So, um, yeah, we, the first thing he said is like, all right, if we do get close, 
let's just make sure we don't change what we did to get there. I was like, that's fine. Um, he's like, man, I've been there before where, you know, we've done whatever to get to the position and then we try to play differently and it, and it never works out. So, so just promise me if we get close, we just keep going the way we have been. I said, no worries. Promise you if we get that close, I'm happy to do that. So, um, (laughs) yeah, Richard was great. It was, it was awesome actually. Um, he bloody smashed him. Absolutely smashed him. Um, I haven't really seen him bat too often at training the last few, (laughs) few months, but, um, if he can do that, he doesn't need to, does he? (laughs) Well, you were going okay as well, mate. The only downer for you is the fact that you didn't get to the half century, but you, you're both going at a run a ball. Um, outstanding. I mean, it, that's that's pure cricket, isn't it? Because I don't know how you felt what you noticed from the New South Wales players out there, but every ball means everything because it can end there and there. And it's where good games of cricket become great, mediocre games become good, and great games go into the stratosphere. I don't know where it rests with you, Green, but could you feel that from the New South Wales players, that the, there were things going on out there that they were changing, even though you weren't trying to change anything? Uh, maybe a little bit, but like, well, I had to know, like, they've got a pretty experienced squad there with their captain, their bowlers, their players, so... I actually felt like they were they were pretty good in terms of uh, keeping their heads up and staying positive and staying in the game. Um, definitely until maybe the last 10 runs or so, 10 or 15 runs, um, noticed they probably changed their plans a bit and probably kept it really simple for our last 20 runs. But I guess it was kind of a bit too late. Um, Richard faced 30, 40 balls and the same as myself. So we were kind of in already. And then we were literally just, we were talking almost every second ball like, looking at the field and being bowlers going, oh, I think this ball's coming. Get ready for this ball. And if it's not this one, just keep whatever comes, just keep it out. So we're kind of, yeah, chatting every few balls and just trying to keep each other going and basically sort of guessing or premeditating uh, where the ball was coming. And we kind of got it right almost every time, which is pretty lucky. <laughs> Gee, I, I want to talk more about you. you. You're a great story for for young cricketers coming through. You, you debuted for Australia in, in 2015. You, you're on fire early doors with New South Wales. You had a, a bit of a, a period where you, you went to Tassie, you found a home in, in, in Queensland now, but there was a few questions you, you had to ask yourself around, around your career, but it looks to me you've come out the other side and you're totally comfortable with where you are, as, one as a person, but in, in your game now. Yeah, good memories there to start off with, Hats. Um, I think it was, you caught my yeah. first, first Maybe wicket. Remember your first wicket? Yeah, yeah. you caught it. Yeah. Um, Rahani, Rahani caught first uh, caught keeper. Yeah, first that was, slip. That's where it was going, it was, G, yeah, wasn't it? Was it? He juggled it off his <laughs> chest, didn't he, as well? It was heading. Yeah, it was heading. It's kind of thick, Nick. Um, Hats had to move to his right to get that. Yeah, I mean, to answer your question, yeah, it was, it was a tough year there being being delisted from, from Tassie. And, and at the same time, not many people know, I was delisted by um, the Thunder as well. So that, that was big sort of, I guess, both contracts or both jobs, if you want to call it, turning into nothing. Uh, um, and COVID and it was everything was going on that year. So, yeah, it was a tough time, but it sort of just sat back and, and dwelled on it for, you know, not long. That's probably knows me with personalities. I'm not definitely not an overthinker, so... Um, you know, I thought about yeah. it for maybe a week or two and then straight away I was like, okay, like, I still believe I'm good enough. I still believe that I belong at that level. I still believe I can do well and, and help whatever team I'm playing for win games and contribute. So straight away I was like, all right, cool. What do I need to do? What do I need to get better at? And what I need to keep um, I'm going with? So 
took me about two weeks to get straight back on into that mindset. I started training, doing some running work, doing some gym work. Obviously, COVID, so I couldn't really go to any gyms and stuff like that. So I was just outdoors, home gym set up, kind of body weight stuff, doing all that. And then um, my initial plan was actually that year to stay in Tasmania and then maybe... I don't know, a bit further into the window, the win- winter, the news came that there was no second eleven cricket that year. I think it was 20, 2020 or 2021 um, where COVID and all of that was happening. So there was no second eleven cricket. And then when that news sort of came out, I was like, oh, okay, maybe maybe I need to get out of Tassie and, and have a look elsewhere. And then, yeah, landed in Brizzy. Grinda, I'm always curious. You, you started with, with New South Wales. You had, had a lot of tricks. You had a really good wrist um when, when you bowl, you had, a, um, you had slower balls, you, you had good shape. But I remember around when you started, I think it was Rod Marsh and other selectors saying, I think this kid can bowl off spin as, as well. And, and I remember thinking for a young kid, he's just trying to find his way in the game. And, and all of a sudden they're saying, mate, we love what you're doing in the medium paces, but do you think you can bowl off spin? Mm-hmm. Uh, did, did that affect that your mindset in early sta- stages of your career? I was always curious about that. Yeah, looking back at it, I don't think it affected the mindset or anything like that, but I think it definitely affected my my action and my technique for my yeah. my fast bowling. I didn't know that at the time, but sort of looking back at it and then last few years and just looking back to, I guess, what my front leg was doing in my bowling action and a few other things like that, I can see where bowling off spin, um, having your, you know, for the cricketers and the nerds out there, for your front foot sort of, for me, it was flicking out more towards fine leg um, or 45 um, short fine leg where it would be for a spinner. Um, so when I was bowling offies, that was happening. And then I think that sort of crept into my action for when I was bowling pace as well, which meant, you know, flow on effect of too much time on your back foot and all of that stuff. So I think it definitely probably impacted on my my action, um, my bowling action, which now that I look back yeah. at, I can see that um, and I see how it affected. But at the time, like, I think I was close to almost like getting into a test squad because overseas in subcontinent conditions I could bowl I guess with the new ball and reverse swing and then bowl some office too if needed and sort of that stuff so at the time it was like like Hads you know as, as you do it's, it's you try and do anything you can yeah. to try and play for, for Australia um, so at the time that was my mindset but now looking back at it yeah I can definitely see how that affected what are your memories of being around the, the Aussie squad in 2015 for those one-dayers and being on the cusp and getting to know people like uh, the guy next to me in Australian colours? Obviously, you know a lot of the guys from state cricket, but uh, what was that experience like looking back on? Oh, it was, it was awesome. Unbelievable. I think I was in the squad for maybe three games. I think um, Miss Johnson was injured or coming back from from an injury, so he was missing, I think, yeah, the first three games. So I, I was in, um, as you said, there was a lot of New South Wales players in that team, Hads, Watto, Starkey, Camo, uh, Smarge, and probably even a couple of others that I can't remember right now off the top of my head. Yeah, so coming into that squad, the Aussie squad, there's a lot of lot of Blues players. Um, it was awesome. Felt like I was almost at a, at a Blues, in a Blues squad, so which was awesome. Um, I think George Bailey was captain, took over. I think Michael Clark was injured from memory. Um, that was awesome. I really enjoyed my time. Um, playing at debut was MCG against India. Crowd was amazing. It was huge. Something that I've really never experienced before in Australia. Um, a few of those were actually had a few signs up for me, which is pretty cool. Um, they were like, oh, I want to support India, but then there's a, I guess, a player from an Indian background in the Australian team were confused, something like that. So, um, no, it was pretty cool. It was, it was an awesome experience. I, I loved it. And I hope, hope one day I'll be able to do it again. But 
Um, I, I've got that cap for now and no one can take that away. Mate, Gorinda, before we let you go, uh, a quick one about your clothing label. Humble, but it's without. It's spelt without the U. So, and that's literally the catchphrase of the clothing label. Tell us a bit more. Yeah, so that was, I guess, first year out of contract. I just thought, you know what, I've got some spare time and I'm into sort of like that streetwear and fashion kind of stuff. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to give this a go. Um, now's the time in terms of having time available to spend on something else other than cricket. So, yeah, had a go. Um, it's going okay. Nice, slow and steady. The, the cricket boys have been pretty awesome helping me out, sharing some stuff on social media, um, like Davey, Uzi, a few of the West Indian players, a couple of the, the Pommies as well. So, yeah, it's been awesome. Hopefully that keeps growing nice and slowly over the few years coming. And you can do a collaboration with Bumble as well if you ever <laughs> go down that path. Anyway, sorry, Hats. Uh, Gorinda, it looks like to, to me, we, looking through your career, you, you found a really good balance on and off the field now. But the, the other thing you're, you're into, I, I see you're, in, you're into your cars, I know that. But another thing I know you're passionate about is your boxing. Tim Zhu, is he going to knock him out on, on this Sunday? I think so. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I've, it was trying to, we were trying to go, actually, myself, Michael Nessa, and a few of the other boys. But um, yeah, we've got to head to Mackay, so I don't know if we'll get time to watch it, but yeah, I'm back in Timmy Zoo. Um, oh, I think he's, he's awesome. He's, um, I think he's going to end up being one of Australia's best boxers. I know we, we talk about, um, Anthony Mundine, but I think, I think he'll be, he'll be the one for the next sort of five, 10 years to really take boxing, um, for Australia to the next level. Well, mate, that's day two of the, the Shield match that that fight's on. And, and you're right, I think it's on for the American TV audience in the middle of the day. So uh, yeah. you're hoping for a bit of monsoonal stuff uh, during uh, the morning session up there, Gorinda and Mackay, I dare say. Hads? Well, they're senior bowlers now. They're the guys you mentioned want to go, like G and, and Nesta, this rotation's got to work somewhere in your favour. <laughs> so so oh, ma- maybe they pull the... Uh, yeah, we're thinking maybe bowl day one, and then day two, hopefully we're batting and we can just get a, an iPod or iPad up, sorry, um, get some KO going on or something like that, maybe. <laughs> Too easy. Perfect. Like Mark Waugh used to do for every uh, Saturday Arvo when the race Get the coach's iPad. Get the coach's <laughs> iPad and take it. Grinda, thanks so much for joining us, mate. Uh, really appreciate it. Good luck in, in Mackay and, and onwards as well and the BBL coming up. Um, unreal stuff at North Sydney Oval, mate. Cheers. No worries. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having me. And Hads, before we go on this edition of Willow Talk, great to hear from Gorinda there about his 10th wicket stand and on the cusp of Australia, South Africa resuming hostilities, you've got a great 10th wicket story <laughs> from a few years back. Oh, I feel like this is question and answer again. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting set up. Well, what I will say <laughs> well, is... Well, it's a fact. It happened. Well, the, the game before we set 400, we thought we had, had South Africa done. us 2008-9 and, and they chased 400. So <laughs> we, we came to the MCG pr- pretty dark. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and and wanting revenge and all of a sudden we're controlling the game and, and Stain came out and put on 80 for the last wicket and, um, yeah, that was disappointing. Another one I'm going to bring up actually, you don't mm. bring this up when you've been bashing New South Wales <laughs> and jumping on WA's t- coattails. Dom Thornley won game against WA with Stuart McGill, uh, put on 200 for the last wicket. 200? Yeah. New South Wales dominated <laughs> WA. Yes. So go back and do your facts and start to see some of the good in us, please. Yeah. Obviously, Stu and uh, Dom have gone on to various <laughs> things since. And uh, there you go. A little history lesson from uh, Bradley Haddon. Hads, thanks for that, mate. We'll be reconvening uh, to talk about Australia, South Africa, a little uh, shorter version of Willow Talk, but an important one, important game coming up for the Aussies. Yeah. Stay safe. I can feel an Aussie win. Cheers, everyone. That was Willow Talk. Willow Talk.